is a little different than normal i decided to add some booze and i just want to say how do you like it oregon fans huh <laughs> doesn't feel so good when something you love when something that's supposed to support you booze you yeah it? why are you booing i don't get it uh my friend that game well first of all this is the quack 12 podcast uh 12 and oh i am your host adam chameo <laughs> and i'm aaron schroeder Aaron Schroeder of NASA, as you can see, if you're watching this on YouTube. Otherwise, right, I just got mm-hmm. indicted into the meta world of NASA. Wow. I'm in the meta sector. We are dealing with quantum time jumping. And Adam, I got to tell you, fascinating stuff. Uh, have you been Heads up, that- robots rule the, the future. You've been taking that shroom tea again, haven't you? Well, you know, mushrooms did just become decriminalized in Washington State, so... That's enough of an answer, my man. People are celebrating. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) Do you remember the game? Yeah, babe. The Oregon versus Cal. Golden Bears. The one in four Golden Bears coming down to Eugene, Oregon, to Austin Stadium, who were... uh, The Ducks were four and one at the time. They go down there. It's another damn close game with another, uh, you know, final... Uh, touchdown from Anthony Brown Jr. using his legs, powering through again right. for the win. And uh, yet, Duck fans booed their very own team at Autzen Stadium on Rich Brooks Field. At the uh, end? Yeah. Uh, during in the middle it was actually like when um basically when those drives were stalling uh i think mo- on multiple drives oh sure on offense they were booing uh anthony brown well honestly making some poor decisions um inaccurate mm-hmm. passes. debatable he won the game he did win the game uh you know a lot of conversation about this anthony brown jr but one thing that we will not do on the quack to podcast is we do not boo our our own ducks. I mean, what are we doing at this point? No, you your own team. Well, here's the deal. You know, sometimes I will get upset with them whenever their off field shenanigans mm-hmm. endanger the lives of others. <laughs> but uh, no, when they're on the field, they are our football team. They are our brothers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, as uh, you said, yeah. we won. I don't. I remembered it as you said it. When he, because he ran in the touchdown and we won. Mm-hmm. And up to the moment you said it, I honestly didn't remember all that much about this game. <laughs> well, that may be uh, more of a you thing, but hey, I'm sure you, you enjoyed it at the time. Yeah, I did. Well, I no, I feel like I'm now I remember so much more. I was texting you through it because yeah, I had did. to watch it the following morning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, at the end, I'm pretty sure I was saying how as much of a nail biter of a game it was 
It was absolutely boring. I I got the text right here uh, when you're rewatching. You said this game is on the border of being boring, and it actually was kind of boring. I mean, like it was. The thing is, we've seen this game before this season, right? Right. Just, we're we're playing down to our opponent. It's our every opponent. game mm-hmm. yeah. we play it, as hard as mm-hmm. needed to beat the opponent. And sometimes it's really impressive when it's Ohio State <laughs> in yes. the horseshoe. Yes, but. Sometimes it'll be a winless Arizona team who's gotten just destroyed by everyone else. But uh, for us, even if it's an Austin, it's going to be a close game. Yeah. It's going to go down to at least the fourth quarter. Um, Just like against Stanford, this one came down to another, you know, potential game tying drive uh, that was. aided by the zebras by the refs you know adding so you know and like they weren't as egregious calls uh, on the farm but they that sustained the drive however this time i mean what a thrilling end even if the game was a tad boring true the goal line stan yeah and baby just to see like cave on thibodeau what he does when he Dude. first of all he looks 100 percent ready to go i don't know about yeah. you he, he now looks freaking ready to go was it Kayvon who literally like ran over a dude, <laughs> kind of fell down, got mm-hmm. back up, and still had time to put insane pressure on the quarterback to take him down? Really? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Oh God! That that singular play, I was like, that dude's brutal. Yeah, I mean, uh, I got it up here. A quack fact: Kayvon Thibodeau recorded ten QB pressures, including. <sighs> eight QB hits in just two quarters of play because of that, uh, you know, the targeting that was called at the end of Stanford. He missed um, the first half of this game and it was just night and day difference when you got him out. He's a hundred, you know, unlike against Arizona or something like he is like a hundred percent just right. I mean, blew over that tackle. Yeah. Still got to Garbers. There's also, you know, on the goal line stand, there's when he like just rushes, like takes down Garbers and Garbers like happens to do that miracle toss, which like kudos to him. He didn't do, I mean, uh, you know, Garbers is garbage. Garbage. Garbers. <laughs> garbage is garbage. Well, that's what I used to call him. And I, I've upgraded him from garbage. Certainly. I, so, I sometimes I just know. But he's fine recycling. <laughs> I will say Kayvon Thibodeau took him out like the garbage. Yeah. The the hardest thing about this season, I think, for me, is knowing that Kayvon is absolutely gone at the end of it. Yeah. Oh, he I guarantee it. you he's going straight to the NFL. Maybe a number Fingers one. Fingers crossed the Seahawks get him because Lord knows do we need that kind of talent on our line. Yeah, that'd be great. Um that that mean the Seahawks did pretty bad in the season, but uh, looking like that's a possibility. I mean, um, it's but we're coming, not baby. Don't worry, we're not a Seahawks podcast. Uh, by the nope. way, you know Smith, we support you though. Well, I liked watching him play. Um, my man, this we've seen this game before. It, it was a close one. Uh, it's getting to the point where I think no matter who we're playing, you should always take the other team, like bet on the spread. For the other team, no matter who it is, I think we're underdogs coming up against UCLA, and it's been a while. It's been You're since joking. Ohio State. No, uh, I think we're betting underdogs. Actually, I mean, it's down in Pasadena, so that makes sense a bit. UCLA, uh, we'll get yeah, it but later Chip Kelly, day, but yeah, we all know how I feel about Chip. For some reason, it's done. He's fried. You think just Justin like the, his favorite meal, chicken? <laughs> He's fried. <laughs> 
All right. Wow. That's he's uh, a giant side of mashed potatoes. <laughs> really? I mean, are you angry because he left us? I've never gotten this feud with him, but we'll get into it. Later. No, I'm angry because I don't actually know anything and I just need to have hot takes. <laughs> At least you're honest about it. If more yeah. people in America were honest like that, bro, I, yeah, we'd be slightly better off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my man, there's been a lot of discussion. Um, before we bring on our guest, Hithliday, to to actually break down this game, let's be real. Not just, oh, I've got uh, one burning question that I want to ask him. I'm oh, so excited good. to ask it. Well, keep it in your back pocket, my man. Mm-hmm. But um, I want to get... So, what were your thoughts on Anthony Brown? And we got it up here. Uh, 20 of 28, 244 yep. yards, one touchdown, 13 carries, 44 yards, and a rushing touchdown. That's... Actually, pretty dang good, my book. Um, yeah, I'm for him. You know, he hasn't lost. I mean, the game got won. The game got. He won. hasn't lost my confidence. I will continue to maintain confidence in him because um, he seems. While I'm sure, statistically speaking, he's maybe not the hottest quarterback in the game. Mm-hmm. He wins games. He makes enough good decisions, and I. Minus, oh, well, there was an interception in the last game. Yeah, I don't think I've ever fumble. seen anybody knock the ball out of his hand. He kind of knocked the ball out of his hand because he was escaping pressure and he kind of like reached out and tried to like balance himself up and the ball just kind of fell. But it was a fumble. So it's the second fumble of the season. Right, but I trust his hands 100%. Yeah, I mean, I and I think, you know, um, a lot of people are having more of the problems with this like downfield uh and Not I don't give a shit about that because if you can oh, continuously yeah. hit 10 and 15 yard passes, throw in a couple of 20 yards, which we did see, it's like, hey man, that's enough for me. Keep the ball moving forward. Burn the clock. These are both good things as long as it ends in points. Yeah, you know, I can't blame you. I, I think Cristobal is certainly thinking that. I think he always is saying Joe Moorhead's doubled down to that Anthony Brown's given us uh, the best opportunity to win. And, you know, he certainly hasn't looked uh, Heisman-like every single game or anything like that. But uh, I- I'm starting to feel much calmer about it well, as Duck Twitter and other Duck fandom is just freaking out and blaming every little thing. Right. Specifically and Anthony Brown. This is something that I find interesting is that it seems like the public narrative is if you're not the world's greatest quarterback, then you're the worst. Sometimes I mean, fan bases certainly think that about their own. And I'm like, give me a middle of the road quarterback and dudes who are guaranteed to catch it and a guy who's guaranteed to run it. And I'll take the middle of the middle of the road quarterback all day. Yeah. Well, I would rather have her and give me Kayvon Thibodeau. In every position. Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. get as quarterback. Why not? Yeah. Um, I'm sure he's awesome at it. Probably. Anything uh, that kid puts his mind to, he'll succeed in. Facts. I'm sure Duck, there are certain Duck fans who are totally, like, for real, probably questioning whether we should do that or not. But uh, let's let's bring in our, our dear friend, our forever guest. Let's get will. into it, baby. Um, he writes for Addicted to Quack. Never heard of it. Oh, it's a wonderful site. You simply must check it out. It's especially the editing is really well managed, I would say. Um, you know, I have heard rumor that it's got one of the best managing editors I've like in the game. I told you that rumor. That's right. Um, but uh, our friend Hithliday, he writes duct tape. Uh, this is a really uh, wonderful article that breaks down each and every week. 
of Oregon football uh, coming out on Tuesdays. It should be out by the time this episode's out, that's for sure. Uh, over on Addicted to Quack with some actual film breakdowns in there, like clips and, and awesome uh, writings of exactly what you're seeing on the screen. It helps actually make sense of the game, especially if it's you know kind of a hard one to swallow. That is our dear friend at Hithloday, H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y, the number one. How are you doing, Hithloday? Woo! He's I'm well. well. How are you? you? I'm doing well. You know, I'm actually, the more I'm seeing this Oregon game, this Oregon 2021 football game, which are starting to feel pretty kind of similar, the more I'm feeling a little accepting of, of you know, like not getting his... Uh, I don't know, worked up every time. Like I was definitely nervous when Cal was on the goal line, but uh, I'm, I'm getting more agitated with the, uh, I think unfair amount of hate being thrown towards Anthony Brown. Uh, You have any thoughts on that today? Oh, well, I, I mean, I haven't come up for air. I, I, as I think I said in the past, I, I, you know, wall myself off from social media and, and message boards and so forth while I'm still doing film study and writing the article to, uh, you know, to, to avoid the following the taillights problem, um, mm-hmm. or the getting punchy and like, I got to refute what the dumb people on the internet say, you know, yeah. I, I just want to write, write a straight article. And, and right. you know what I, I, you know, I, I don't think I'm really missing that much by, uh, absolutely not. No. Uh, you know, I put up a funny tweet about, about Rolovich and Washington and that was about it. <laughs> you know, those. my, I, I briefly put up the snorkel. Yeah. Um, ex ex uh, Washington State coach Nick Rolovich, right? Ex Washington State uh, coach Nick Rolovich, and he um, get his COVID shot, and now he's out. And uh, there was some uh, there was some comment on Reddit about you know uh, oh it looks like the entire offensive staff it, it turned out it was only a couple of coaches although fairly significant coaches the quarterback slash co offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach but anyway somebody was joking around about like oh man the offense is totally you know wrecked all the offensive staff is going to be gone too and and a Washington uh, fan the University of Washington Huskies said uh, you know boy I wish all of our offensive line staff were anti vaxxers too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no they joke. can be terminated. Just do it. And I, do thought, over. I, I thought that was like Jesus. That's a kind of shooting dark in that one. Yeah, it was yeah. a little dark. Dark um, times. Well, I was like, do you yeah. want them fired? Do you want them to die? Like, anyway. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's Duck Twitter. What? I mean, that's a college football I, Twitter. I'd say. I was, yeah, babe. Uh, speaking of COVID precautions, I, I was at the stadium on Friday night. It, it worked out well for my schedule. Um, you know, I got to I got in at two in the morning after driving down from Portland. That was a little fraught, but uh, uh-huh. I had some good R and R watching the rest of college football on Saturday. That was very nice. Um, and, uh, and finally finished up my my film study and submitted my article to you, Adam. I'm not sure if you had a chance to look at it yet, but like no. Uh, Boy, I got to say, you know, you go to this when you're watching the game live in the stadium, maybe maybe other people are better than me at this. But like, I can't really tell what the hell is going on when I'm in the stadium. I can't tell if a, if a run was a good run or not. Like, I can't tell how far he made it. They don't have the, the stripes, you know, on like they do on television to tell whether he got the first down. I can't pick out the little orange, you know, marker. Uh, I, I'm there because of the emotional energy. You know, it's because there's like 50,000 other Duck fans who are going up and down, you know, mm-hmm. with me, who are screaming at the refs with And me. you were leading the booze, I hear. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, just so that, you know, like, 
uh, other than maybe going to war, there's no other experience I can think of in which you are in emotional unison with 50,000 other people, you know, like mm-hmm. who are all surrounding you. It's just, a, it's a, well, you got to take it in, you know, a couple times every year. I, I think it's worth it. Um, and then I go back and do the film study on Sunday. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I have a completely different perspective on this game now. <laughs> like, sure. It's like 180 degrees different. Um, well, what's nah. funny is, is on, on Twitter, they sometimes have, you know, like people at the game. And because we don't get the all 22 very often, they'll have someone like just on their phone. Mm. They'll be and they'll sometimes reveal it like, you know, like, see, like, look at all these routes that Anthony Brown's not hitting. And that that's certainly, you know, partially is, true. But there, that goes there, around. I did sometimes. actually. I do remember there's one play. It, it, I didn't put it included in my article because I thought it would have been too familiar. But, you know, to put in like, I know for a fact that he was missing this dude because I saw it with my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Chance cameras didn't pick it up. And I was like, this is a dumb thing to put in my article so i didn't um but uh you've been the inside scoop there i don't know to to that question i guess like i think like the first line of my fresno state review article was um anthony brown is simultaneously the reason why the ducks were behind in the fourth quarter and the reason why they won the game Mm -hmm. and like i think that line winds up being fairly true of this game as well like i think the defensive performance against cal was like exactly what i was expecting um i mean like that that's you know that's cal in 2021 that's oregon's defense in 2021 like that that result you know with with thibodeau out and then having the dramatic you know change in effectiveness in the second half um and then getting swinson back that's the other part of the equation Mm -hmm. that is a little overlooked um and it's not just like what those guys immediately contribute, but it's also, you know, who they liberate. So like um, Adrian Jackson, for example, who had been sort of like pressed into service to play the cave on Thibodeau role now doesn't have to, and he gets to play a strong side backer, you know, because Funa wasn't playing and like mm-hmm. Jackson is the, the strong side OLB is like, like there's a check down. I'm going to put this clip in my article where like only Adrian Jackson makes this a tackle for a loss, you know, like, because he's able to, to, cause he first has to cover the tight end, but then as soon as the pass swings out to the check down, he has to come down on it. And that dude runs at a million miles an hour. And, you know, he's not, that great at getting past you know tackles but boy you know give him a a running back in the open field and he'll annihilate that dude and sure enough he does you know it's like a three or four yard tackle for loss because adrian jackson is there and he's there because thibodeau is back in action so there's the you know it's interesting to note these these sort of chain effects anyway i think the defense performed pretty pretty much how i expected i think that you know cal played the game they i was expecting cal to play in terms of them being like a really ball control offense in fact you may recall uh on this podcast last week i said exactly what would happen you know i said that oregon would be clinging to a three-point lead at halftime and the way they'd resolve it was to you know run the ball you know at a million times because cal's gonna try to make it a low possession game and oregon will call the bluff um pretty much exactly what happened I'm not bad at this um anyway on offense uh, oregon had a 75 percent success rate when they were running the ball because cal couldn't stop travis die uh, at all Woo! they couldn't you know they couldn't uh, handle oregon oregon's offensive line at all all um you know it was yeah no that you know that performance was totally and and the only thing the the only way that the game sort of goes off the rails uh it doesn't really i sort of felt like oregon was in control of the entire game is that cal's trying to make it a low possession game right you know and effectively they do oregon effectively only gets eight or nine you know depending on on how you count garbage time uh you know possessions you know normally it's about 50 percent more than that um and 
if they're going to make it a, a low possession game and you're going to let them make it a low possession game because the way that you're going to play them on defense was essentially mm-hmm. to let them have their four yard runs, but stop the explosive passing because that's the only way they're getting in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to allow them to do that, that means that you need to be really drive efficient on offense. That means you need to score like 50% of the time that you have the ball. And they didn't, they scored about 33% of the time when they had the ball. Um, and, uh, and I think the primary reason for that was bad passes that Anthony Brown was throwing, which he did several times, you know, mm. more than you would expect out of the average quarterback um, or the average. Sorry, I shouldn't put it that way. More than the uh, a quarterback who's playing for a team of this level, you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the happy news, however, is that if you if you separate what a quarterback does into two different buckets. The one is throwing downfield pass bucket at which he gets maybe a C minus or a D plus. Like it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. Um, and the other bucket is everything else. So like pocket presence, you know, how he's eluding pressure, how he's scrambling, how he's operating the RPO offense, you know, you know, making the decision about whether to keep the ball or hand it off, you know, run it uh, or, or toss it, you know, all the Joe Moorhead stuff. If that's the other bucket, that the, the problem with Anthony Brown in the games against Arizona and Stanford was that bucket was also empty. Like mm-hmm. he was doing really poorly at those things. And the, the happy news that I have for you for, after reviewing the Cal film is that that bucket is full again. He's like back to being the quarterback who beat Ohio state at that other, that whole other category of things. So um, I'm saying, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you were saying that, Aaron. Um, and in fact, it is really me- interesting. Yeah, that it's. I'll tell you this from the duck Twitter I've seen is that it that it is in such a frenzy against him that it, it is truly. There's quite a bit of people just being like, "Yep, this is another game in which he has just completely like killed this offense." But it was like, I mean, uh, here you go. Ducks had nine penalties for 82 yards. Yeah, the penalties were really bad in this game. Yeah. Um, really tough timing, too. And the two turnovers, like, I yeah, think the they turnover, lost the turnovers. Out of two. Yeah. Like, one of them is like they should have scored on that possession, and Chris Hudson just puts the ground ball on the ground. Yep. But I mean, they're mm-hmm. in the red zone. That was a, that was a conversion yes. over through, or actually, I think it was. Uh, I think it was third and 14 and he got 10 yards, but they would have gone for it on fourth down or they would have kicked a field goal. It was definitely at least three points came off the board, you Mm -hmm. know, because of that fumble. And then the other fumble was they were driving at the end of the first half. I actually thought they were managing the clock really well. And then, you know, ball pops out of Anthony Brown's hand when he's, you know, when he's going down. Um, yeah, the the other thing that should be said is that he was facing a lot of this is probably George Moore, the left tackle's worst game that I've seen him play. Mm. He was giving up pressure all the time. You have to take that into account. Hmm. Um and like I don't know how that gets better. Um I don't know why Dawson Jaramillo wasn't playing um in this game. They actually weren't rotating the offensive line at all. You know, we had seen them get up to an eight-man offensive line rotation, but with Forsyth the center out, um uh, they they were not playing Yarmillo and they're not playing Powers Johnson in this game. They stuck with the same five dudes. And then on top of that, they're playing um, Stephen Jones at right guard, which I don't think is the natural right. position for him. So he was the other guy that I was seeing make uh, uh, a high degree. At least a penalty calling on him at one point. Well, there was that, but I just mean like their their per play error rate. You know, yeah. like Moore and Jones had had 
pretty poor games, frankly, um, in pass protection. In run blocking, they were great. Like, Oregon's run blocking in this game and actually throughout the year has been phenomenal. Um, and if all they do is run the ball for the rest of the year, <laughs> like they actually probably wouldn't be a terrible idea. Man, Travis Dye had just yeah. one hell of a game. You got to give it up for him. I love that. I have thing. to say, mm-hmm. I think he he did way better than I was actually expecting. I was kind of afraid he wasn't going to be very threatening. No, he's great. I mean, frankly, he's a he, what we saw in 20 by the end of 2019 is that he's a better back than CJ Verdell is, except he's not. Yeah, he's just not bulky enough to like run through tackles. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. he, he only has one move to get extra yardage, which is that you can't touch me. Um, but if somebody mm-hmm. touches him, he's 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 I mean, not going to go down immediately. He he has some Yako stuff, but like, yeah, you know that, he's not Royce Freeman. You know, when you were watching Royce Freeman and some and people were like afraid to tackle him, people are not afraid to tackle Travis Dye. No. You know, that's the that's sort of the knock on him. Um, but it is so, it is fun to see him uh, like how they're actually getting him some like open field too, yeah. and like had that's like really, 73 yards. That's really but, the interesting yeah. thing, you know, going back and forth between the way that Oregon runs the ball and the way that Cal runs the ball is that Cal's offensive line simply isn't good enough to do the, this is difficult to illustrate without a whiteboard. Read my article. I'll show you clips uh, <laughs> where Oregon is doing, let's call it complex offensive line blocking where, you know, two dudes are blocking that guy and then he comes off and blocks this dude and the other guy comes up and does that and die has to cut through that hole. But when he does, when all of those things come together like a magic trick, then all of a sudden there's nobody 15 yards and Travis die gets to yeah. run, you know, for 15 yards, Oregon's offensive line blocking is good enough to do that. Cal's offensive line blocking is not when they try to do, and they have a few plays in their playbook where they try to do it. Cause I mean, they've got to try. Right. Um, but they can't. Oregon was just consi- and really all teams, frankly, but Oregon in particular was just shutting them down every time they tried to do, you know, a more complex, open it up. Let's get 15, 20, 30 yards worth of running on this play type of play. They just can't do it. They, they can't. Um, on the other hand, and their backs are great. We've, we've their backs are phenomenal. Their backs on and show, they're, yeah. they, and they have a bunch of them, like maybe too many. It's weird. Um, yeah. and, uh, and Garbers can run pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, actually when we get to the Washington, we, I've got a clip that I've been saving, which Garbers is running through like four Washington DBs. It's hilarious. Uh, but anyway, you'll have to wait for that one. The um, <laughs> uh, uh, all Cal can do is sort of the lean on you type of runs. Like if, you know, if children were designing a football playbook, right. And they would be like, well, I have to run the ball. Okay. Well, I have been my big fat guys just sort of walk forward uh, and push, push the, the defenders out of the way. And my back will run real hard into them and he'll crash into them. And then he'll keep pushing and he'll wiggle forward and he'll get five yards. And like, yeah, that's, I mean, that was Cal's rushing, uh, you know, attack and they were doing yeah. it, you know, they were getting five yards of replay, but they were never going to get any more than like five or 10 yards right like mm-hmm. um and, and and so like yeah it, it's really you know if you put them side by side that the sort of elegance of oregon's rushing attack versus sort of the clobbering uh of cows you know there's there's a real disparity there and it and it affects the way that they have drives oregon scoring drives are like five six play scoring drives right because they're getting explosive plays and chunk right. yardage mm-hmm. and cows are like 
you know, 12, 13, 14 yard grinds. Yeah. Right. And they're eating up all the clock and like that. Can That's be the trap. thing that had me scared too. Right. And it, it sucks that clock when dissipate. you're watching it, when you're watching it, you're just like, get the ball, get it away from them. Stop it. Stop them. Stop them. But eventually mm-hmm. they do, you know, the drive Peters out. They've taken eight minutes off the clock and gotten nothing out of it. You and know, they only scored Oregon. 17 points in this right. game. Yeah. Right. Which is lower than actually their, 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 their average in FBS games going into this was 19.25 points per game. So Oregon held them under their Oregon held them under their yards per passing attempt average, which is 7.2. Wow. Uh, Oregon held them to six um, yards per passing attempt. Um, uh, Cal's rushing uh, yards per carry on designed rushing plays was 5.7 going into this game. It was 4.5. You know, Oregon essentially did what every other team did to Cal just better. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Cal, Cal uh, has was a little, let's say, more effective, not luckier, not assisted by the referees. Let's just say more effective was slightly more effective in the red zone than they had been against um, uh, than they had been against Wazoo, um, but about yeah. the same level of effectiveness as they were against um, Washington and Nevada um, and 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 TCU. They were very effective, although I sort of think TCU is not a very good defense. Um, it's true. Anyway, uh, <laughs> like essentially, what I'm saying is that everything of the way that the defense performed against Cal's offense was like, yes, it was exactly how I would have scripted it. And the only thing that was sort of missing was that Oregon should have, Oregon shouldn't have fumbled twice. Uh, Oregon mm-hmm. shouldn't have had as many penalties that as they did. And Oregon should have connected on more passes than they did. And all of those are sort of, or uh, two and a half of those three things are about the offense. Um, and, and, and yeah, you know, like if they had scored on that drive where Chris Hudson fumbled, um, yeah. And they had scored on that, you know, that that end of the first half, you know, drive. Uh, let's say they got 10 points out of those two things. And the final score would have been, what, 34 to 17, doubled them up. Nobody would be sweating anything. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, football is just a game like that in which, like, you know, one play, you know, goes wrong and, and, and you know, takes a, a lot of points off of the board and cause people to sweat. But if you back out and look at the per play efficiency numbers and look at like fundamental strengths in the, in the game philosophy, you're like, oh yeah, this game was under control the entire time. Let me ask you a question really quick. It's a, a quick aside question, but it's only because you said something that I found interesting, which you said, depending on where you start counting garbage time, oh. where would you start counting garbage time in this game? Well, Okay, so after so so Oregon gets a, a drive. Uh, I believe they 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 take possession with like a minute thirty left in the first half. Let me, I can actually look that up. Do 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 do. They got possession with two minutes and forty four seconds left, and so that's actually kind of an awkward amount of time to get it to have to drive eighty four yards for a touchdown. Um, like so, at first, you know, they have three runs to bleed some time off of the clock to get it down to about a minute. And mm-hmm. then they're and then they start throwing the ball and, and, and that and taking timeouts like that's, you know, pretty appropriate clock management. And then uh, what happens is, uh, you know, they get to about the 40 yard line. They take a sack. Um, and at that point, it's second and 14. And it's like it's second and 14 with, I think, 20 seconds left or or, or about that. Um and now you could arguably say this is a desperation drive uh, when they they take that sack. Now they immediately hit a pass to Devin Williams for ten yards. Who incidentally, Devin Williams, great game. Like he was yeah. getting hit a lot. I really liked uh, how much more they were using Devin Williams in this game. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so now it's third and four with sixteen seconds. Like 
in most other contexts, I would probably say that's a garbage time uh, situation. Um, Interesting. Simply because it's a non-normal play. You know that a pass is coming in that situation, right? That's sort of non-normal. Um, now they wound up fumbling the ball. Cal gets possession, you know, at, at like, I don't know, the, the four, you know, their 40 yard line with like 16 seconds left in the game. There's three more. They take three more snaps before halftime. That's clearly garbage time. That gets excluded. Um, oh, okay. See, I always just assumed garbage time meant we're at the end of the game and this team has obviously already won. No, uh, well, it does include that, but it's also more of a catch-all term that refers to simply non-normal play. So if you absolutely know what your opponent is going to call because of the game situation, then that's not normal play, you know? Right. Um, uh, okay, cool. And, and there's a couple of other things. Basically, it's just... It's not that those things can't affect the outcome of the game, and so therefore garbage is maybe not the right term to call it, um, but that like if you include that data in the data set when you're computing per play success rates, then you wind up corrupting the data. Right. Um, you know, what I do is I, I save that data in a different bucket. You know, I save them in clock killer bucket and desperation drive buckets. And if I have enough of that data on a team by the end of the year, like um, there was a team a couple of years ago that for some reason was constantly in desperation drive situations so much that I actually had enough data to run a regression on it and calculate how good they were at desperation drives. <laughs> the answer was not very good. Um, and so was I it? I could, um, it was, uh, um, it was, uh, Minnesota for a different project. Um, it, it was not a team that Oregon wound up playing. I was just doing a side project on them. Um, like the golden gulp earth. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the, um, block, <laughs> Uh, it's just, it, it just corrupts the data. Like right. it's, it's, you're putting apples in the orange basket. It's just, it, it's not that that is useless data. It's that, that, that data is, shouldn't be included because it, it corrupts it. Um, so obviously, uh, the position that's scaring most of us, uh, especially for paying attention, maybe more so than quarterback, it should probably is, uh, the linebacker yeah. linebacking core. Um, how are they settling in as of now? Cause obviously we're still missing mm. some presumed starters, but it's about the same as when we first started seeing them. I haven't really seen marked improvement. Um, you know, obviously Noah Sewell is still very good. Um, um, he's still he pretty young. Like I see him make mistakes. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I don't know. It was interesting. They started playing Jeffrey Bassa, the safety convert. Mm -hmm. Like he was the guy who was in on the first drive and like Bassa, like he's fine. Like he's not a terrible inside linebacker, but he's clearly a converted safety and hasn't bulked up yet. And like, there's a couple of plays. I think I put at least one of them in my article where it's like, he's in the right position but he's going up against Christopher Brooks and Brooks just runs him over, you know, and, and it's like, he's, or, or like he needs to come down and hit that offensive lineman as hard as he can immediately to squeeze down the size of the running lane. So the quarterback, when he's running through it on a keeper has to take it at a different angle. And that way, this, when the safety comes down to actually make the tackle, he's doing it having, you know, with the quarterback having only gained like three yards instead of having gained like seven yards, but he does doesn't because that offensive lineman outweighs him like 150 pounds and he's like staring at him like i have to hit this dude uh, <laughs> and it's like noah sewell is fearless right like noah sewell makes that hit justin flo would enthusiastically make that hit so what you're saying is bossa nova 
Oh boy, that's good. He he does that's go. Good. It, he he hesitates a little bit. Uh, um, hey, Kalani is to, hey Kalani is actually a very smart kid, but he just you know he's a walk on for a reason. He's just isn't you know he, he's yeah. his footwork is not perfect. You know he just isn't like the most fluid and natural athlete, and so I see problems with that. Although I was a little mm-hmm. weirded out why he wasn't started, and I was a little weird out why Keith Brown wasn't starting. Brown's going to be really yeah. good. He just needs a little more time. Um, and uh, and they were also sort of the the other nice thing about this was they they were like I was mentioning with Adrian Jackson, he was at times, you know, when they sort of would spin down a backer, they'd spin down a safety and they move a backer, an inside backer up to the line. They move Jackson back out to pay like quasi ILB. And he actually didn't do half a bad job. Um, it's not exactly his natural position. He's a little too long um, for it. You know, ILBs need to be a little squatter, but, um, but uh, yeah, the, you know, they're, you know, I guess I'd put it this way. They are aware that it's a problem. They're not, you know, I have seen duck coaching staffs in the past, just be in total denial of this type of problem. And are like, you know, no, we'll just put on the five ten walk on. He's fine. You know, this is, we're not going to change up anything at all. We're not going to experiment. He's the next man up and next man up is their motto at Oregon. And that's that like, no, that's not what I'm seeing. Like I'm definitely seeing let's rotate some guys through. Let's keep these dudes fresh. Let's try new things. Like, yeah, I mean, they're aware it's a problem, but it doesn't change the fact that it's a problem. Well, there you go. Um, Yeah. I honestly don't have too much to say about this game. It was another, it was another kind of hard watch, but it was like, it was like a horror movie sequel. Like I had already seen it. So kind of the steam was taken out a little bit. And I mean, it's not even a horror movie because it's got a happy ending. We won the, we won the ducking game. Um, I mean, I gotta say like I was right. I was where I was sitting was right in front of that eight play goal line stand. Oh yeah. They had wow, a really? conversion. Yeah. Cause you know, it went to fourth down and then Garber said the miracle, you know, flip while he was being sacked. So then mm-hmm. Oregon had to do another four downs. I mean, it was right in front of me. And I mean, my heart was in my th- like, uh, and the, the relief at the end when that ball, you know, fell short and there were no flags this oh, time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it was just <laughs> like, I, I was jumping and screw like, I don't, you know, I was, yeah. I was screaming like I was, uh, you know. I, I and you're a very reserved individual. I don't get to feel stuff like that very often. I, I uh, will say, like unique experiences. I, I wish everybody could have been in the stadium to feel it with me. That's the tough part. Uh, reading about so much of the negativity, you know, and, and you know, I should probably just not read it. But um, it, it's just like if you're a duck fan and like you you're watching this game and parts of it have been a little tough offensively, but you watch that goal line stand and you're immediate and you watch the win and your immediate response is to go online and be like, this team fucking sucks. Mario Cristobal can own recruit. Like, I just don't know what you get now. And I mean, I guess that's what the internet is for. I think uh, I've learned this though. Maybe too. What's that? If that is your out, if that's your, response mm-hmm. then you are a newer duck fan than i am because <laughs> them always letting you down is the average <laughs> so like to be mad when we win and do good is ridiculous uh, yeah i'm I, i've been a duck fan long enough so, so that like yeah, I definitely remember when every win was precious and kind of a surprise. Um, right. <laughs> like, I mean, I, and I don't say any of these things sort of excuse the performance. I think this team has real problems. Like, yeah. I, I think, you know, there are some serious stuff to correct. Um, and, 
And I think we could lose to absolutely anybody on our schedule. Sure. Um, hmm. I, I think I, I actually think this game, this team is better managed than most people appreciate. Um, yeah. Like there's a, there's sort of a basic professionalism to the, to, to their conduct, which, which I don't see in m- most other PAC 12 teams. Um, and like, I don't know while the execution is is often you know not there and there's you know this penalty stuff is really driving me up the wall and, and there's the sort of the god hates the ducks factor which always you know like every time cal needed a break they somehow got it you know what a yeah how interesting just like how no. stanford whenever they needed a break they somehow got it hey, mm-hmm. isn't that kind of weird and it's kind of difficult to avoid seeing conspiracy theories you know and that sort of stuff or or or, or whatever but like you know like yeah and then you know uh, you know barring like the like think about all the crazy shit that had to happen for stanford to win that game right like that was far from inevitable right that exact sequence events had to happen that exact set of ref assistants had to happen you know for them to win that game because oregon despite you know the 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 punch in the balls that they delivered to themselves in the first half mm-hmm. and kind of similarly in this game despite the punch in the balls that they had delivered themselves with all those you know dumb and complete passes out of brown um that like yeah they were still in control of the game because fundamentally like i've been saying on this podcast all year long if you can run the ball it is the ultimate security blanket um they play fundamentally you know sound defense and they they're you know their strategy to keep you out of the end zone basically works. Um, and like, it's, it's often sort of panic inducing, but it, you know, parring complete weirdness, like the end of the Stanford game, they are effectively in control of every game that they play. Mm-hmm. The other reason being because they have a talent advantage on everybody. Like, you know, that's the other thing that's sort of like, it's very obvious. Like when, you know, there's a couple of plays in which Kayvon Thibodeau, five-star, and Noah Sewell, five-star, are attacking Cal's, you know, one, four-star, and mostly three-star line, and they cut through him like a hot knife through butter. And, like, yeah. you know... Thibodeau was... It was truly amazing to see how much difference a person can make. And, and not only that, but um, I think it was also clear both lines in the second half, particularly in, like, the fourth quarter, began to just really dominate Cal. Yeah. Like they were really wilting at the end there. And that's been something you've seen in most of our games. Uh, yeah, there's not yeah. a game on Oregon's schedule in which I wouldn't take Oregon's line versus the opposing line on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, it's a good advantage to have. Does that mean that they will automatically win every game? No, certainly not. There's more to football than that. But it's a very good first, you know, it's the first step. You know, like if you if you are ahead in the trenches, then you were like 60 percent of your way to winning a game. Well, let me ask you this the other day. What's up with all the penalties? I really don't have a good answer for that. It is a mix of bad attitudes. I don't think that's it. I think that there are, you know, a couple of them are a couple of them are. These are very, you know, talented, coached up dudes who are aggressive and want to make a play. And, you know, they're just too hyped. Yeah, you're too hyped up or hitting too hard or just doing something that, you know, there there's an old I don't know if it's a cliche or, or it could be apocryphal, but that there are some penalties that coaches are okay with because they're penalties of aggression. 
and they'd rather see you showing too much aggression than too little aggression. And I, I, I see some of that. Um, you know, I, it's, I'm not trying to like apologize for penalties here, but I am saying that like, uh, you know, they're not, they're, it's sort of the risk you run when you're, you've got, it's like overclocking your computer, you know, like, yeah, you're going to risk, you know, some damage to your computer, but you're also getting way better performance out of it. And how do you balance that? Well, by taking that risk. You know, I think it's like of- the targeting called on Thibodeau, which it's like, you know, some people would be like, yes, that was that was definitely targeting. He hit the head and such, stuff like that. It's like, yeah, it, clearly he wasn't actually going for that. But um, it'd be like to teach him not to just go all out like that, you know, would hurt your team so much. Yeah, more right. It's sort of like, yeah. yeah, you know, what do you get? You know, in order if you if you come to the conclusion that avoiding that 15 yard penalty in one game causes you to give up an extra 80 yards because of lack of aggression, like, okay, you right. You know, like now I'm not saying that it's as stark of a trade-off as that. No one gets to live in the counterfactual, you know, no one gets to hop between universes and see, you know, which one it worked out in, but like, you know, you can, there's a calculation to be made about how much aggression that you want your guys to have. Um, so some of it is sort of like that, that's, I'm not saying that it's good, but I am saying it's sort of to be expected. Um, I mean, it's not like there's any team in the history of football who's finished a game with zero penalty yards. Right. Um, it's, they'd rather see the penalty happen than the other team score or something. The, uh, and sometimes yes. they're just jackasses. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. You know. And you also you're talking about 19 year old college kids who sometimes right. do dumb stuff. And it's just like there's only so much you can do as a coaching staff to keep a 19 year old who's full of, you know, adrenaline, testosterone from who you're pumping stuff. up. Who yeah. Aaron Bell I mean, screaming you know, even yeah. on the NFL level, there are. Yeah. You see the penalties happen where you can tell the person has just, they're so inside the moment that they forget about all the nuance of what a ref is going to be looking at. There's two other things. One is a couple of them are deserved because the dude got beat. You know, it's just straight up. Like you were asking me this but way back in 2018 when I was like, why are all these penalties? And I was like, well, a good deal of it is because the play was not good. And many penalties are like, if you're, an offensive tackle and you get beat around the edge and your quarterback is about to get sacked, then you should hold that dude and take the 10 yard penalty. It's better than your quarterback getting hit. Um, Or, you know, so there's a couple like that where it's just like, you know, what we've been talking about this whole time about like this team is far from perfect. You know, some of it stems from less than perfect play. And, you know, they're just, that's what happens when you get beat is sometimes you have to hold or sometimes you have to commit pass interference or something like that. Um, And the third thing is they've had, unusually poor luck with Pac-12 refs. And like, we probably don't need to talk any more about that, but I think I, I, I will say on balance, I think that, um, uh, the refs have, have, you know, usually it all balances out, you know, by the end of the year, and it will probably be the case to balance the scales that Oregon will get the happy side of certain officiating calls in the second half of the season. And that this will feel like a foolish comment to be complaining about now, but you know, six games in, uh, it's probably been the case that the refs have been uh, uh, not as kind to Oregon as the law of averages would indicate. Oh, well, it's totally, uh, you know, I believe that especially now that money has entered into this game on a player level. Now that it's, oh, okay. I do believe there's some level of control happening at the top. Oh boy. Because one, you want people to watch your football game so you can sell ads. And so you want to keep the game exciting. And so I do believe there is some official 
uh, your manipulation that, though, inside is, each games to create an, a more exciting level of play. They they would never go for the Stanford uh, fan base because they're that does not exist. <laughs> so they're uh, that kind of throws. But we'll keep an eye on that conspiracy because that's it's hey. just think of it like wrestling, but on a very very light level. I mean, for years you've said that this whole thing is fake. Actually, too. oh, it's totally rigged. You remember that? You Until I'm in a stadium, it's AI. CPF. Hitler Day could be CPF. AI. We've never seen this fool's face. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I did want to know, like, what I want to know is, okay, so in the Oregon State versus USC game, when Oregon State was constantly getting flagged, uh, and it was, you know, clearly like, you know, the Beavers can't be allowed to win against the Trojans. Yeah, this is yeah. ridiculous. Like, I, like, when does that start happening for Oregon? You know, when when does the front office recognize that this is the face of the league and that those calls start going Oregon's way? That's when Nike removes itself from the team's funds. Yeah, right. <laughs> or like it's USC removes itself from Pac-12, maybe? Yeah. It, it's so funny to listen to a particular podcast, which is hosted by a certain, uh, you know, L.A. based uh, uh, couple of uh, hosts who you have been years been saying that the front office should be putting their thumb on the scale for the yeah. uh, the conference front runners, right? Like to assist those teams to get to the playoffs because a rising tide will sink all will, will raises all ships. Right. And but then as, as soon as, it became, you know, it's like, you know, it's funny how, that, you know, you were saying that when you thought that the L.A. schools were going to be the 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 primary beneficiaries but now that it's oregon i, I don't really hear much of that i hear <laughs> a lot of pointing and laughing at oregon when flags go against oregon you know gosh. right right they hate us because they ain't us okay any final thoughts on this game quick final thoughts um if you use old references we do have some fans who have been loving uh i think um Hithley mentioned maybe Max head headrom or something. Oh, I don't boy. even know that reference. Oh, Adam, don't act like you don't know. You're on I internet. truly um, don't know. And uh, I mentioned Carol Burnett, stuff like that. Uh, earlier, the better. Uh, any uh, final boy, thoughts in this game? I should make an I Love Lucy, uh, you know, the licorice episode. If you, you know, can work in terms in. of how the how the run game was working, uh, <laughs> I can't. I, I I do think that I I still think that you know we were talking about after the Stanford game that mm-hmm. the the coaches should be considering making a, a quarterback you know replacement. And like while I think that this was a better performance out of Anthony Brown and that the you know he's sort of back to the Ohio State form, it's still not optimal and it's still probably not playoff caliber um and that you know people shouldn't be making stuff up like you should you're you know no one's entitled to their own facts and, and you know you should have an honest assessment of his performance but i believe that an honest assessment of his performance is that you know this dude still clearly got a ceiling um and that you know i, I still think it's probably the case that as soon as ty thompson is ready so that his error rate is comparable to anthony brown's error rate but his ceiling is much higher that I don't think that Oregon should be afraid to make the switch. We've seen a lot of teams this year make the switch, you know, with positive results. You know, Oklahoma's Utah made big one. Everyone's Oklahoma, talking. Utah. Yeah. Um, Wazoo went back to Delora. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the list goes on. Like, you shouldn't, like, you should not be afraid to make the switch out of sentimentality or out of, you know, fear or whatever. You should make a rational calculus. And I can't perform that calculus because I don't know how Ty Thompson's performing in practice but um you know uh you know there's just no way to read the minds of the coaches but i wouldn't i guess if anybody was thinking themselves uh, i haven't looked on twitter so i don't know what people are thinking uh, if people are thinking themselves this
this game proves that this coaching staff will never make the switch because if there was a time to do it, it was now and they didn't do it. And so therefore they never will. I guess my response would be, I don't think that's necessarily true. I I still think that that's on the table. Um, And I think, I still think that the way the calculation goes is they're just waiting for Ty Thompson to improve enough in practice for the the tipping point on the scales uh, to be achieved. And so I still don't think, you know, I said this going into the season that I thought that Anthony Brown would start, would get them through the Ohio state game, but that by the end of the year, they would probably make the switch. And I still think that's on the table uh, and, and that this game doesn't disprove that. Doesn't it become harder, though, with every game that passes to make a switch with every week? Right. Doesn't it seem because the more time that Anthony Brown is on the field with the team, the stronger that connection inside the team is becoming. Maybe I kind of think that's probably that's probably maxed out that I don't I don't know how much more of a connection he could form with the team. On the other hand, I don't think it, it. Ty Thompson is maxed out in terms of his um, his floor like that. That's probably going up every week because this is the time, you know, in, in, you know, in in a new recruit, you know, because he got on. He's a true freshman. Right. This is the between now and about halfway through his sophomore year is the fastest growth time in a quarterback's, you know, period. And so literally week to week, he's probably becoming better. And at some point, uh, I can't guarantee that'll be the case, but at some point you'll reach the tipping point where he's a better option. And I, I, I guess all I can say is I hope the coaching staff is rational about it and realizes when that it happens and makes the switch. And I don't think there's anything that happened in this game that makes me say, well, now that definitely won't happen. Week well, one I mean, of the playoffs. That's when it'll happen. <laughs> week one of the playoffs. I mean, Ohio State made the switch to Cardale Jones for that. You know, yes. Oregon paid the price. Yes, I do remember that. Well, and also, like, just look at last season. I mean, it was like, you know, technically game, what, six or seven or seven for the Ducks. But um, they did incorporate Anthony Brown in some yeah. pretty crucial time, like late in the season. And he yeah. was the backup quarterback. So maybe they just like to see, you know, the week of practice. And I mean, just like uh, Harold Lloyd's 1925, the freshman. Sometimes it just <laughs> takes a little while to, to learn football. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, let's get in to one that was of a stretch. segments. It so was. I couldn't think of any reference. I was like, I saw oh, that. Movie I, I've got one. Uh, I haven't really been on, on social media. I know <laughs> that people are probably screaming, you know, about a million different things. And, you know, my job as a film reviewer uh, is, you know, they're running around uh, and not able to see the cliff in the middle of the rye field. And my job is to catch them uh, and, pre- and keep them from going over that cliff. So, I'm the the Holden Caulfield of Oregon Twitter. A little too literary for me, but yeah. Here's what I'm going to do as a little bit of a throwback. (laughs) I'm going to ask all of our beloved fans to whoever has editing video, video editing skills. I'd love to see a compilation of all of Travis Dye's runs from this previous game set to the music of Benny Hill. Oh, there's a lot of them. Um, yeah. Here's the ball a lot in this game. Uh, be yeah. a long I think that would be really fun. <laughs> I guess it makes sense. As in, like, you want to incorporate anyone where it's like a golden bear looks especially foolish not tackling him or something, too. I think that would really help. Well, uh, read, read my article Tuesday morning. I'll have a couple. Oh, there you go. Oh, you got um, video music, of him though. with the Benny Hill music. Great. We did it. Speaking yeah. of Benny Hill, uh, let's talk about these other uh, jokers in the Pac-12 in our annual or weekly say bottom 11 
That's right. It's the bottom 11. And we here at the Quack 12 podcast still believe that we are number one. I think it's pretty clear. Uh, a lot Obvious. of people are a lot of people are not are down on the ducks now a little uh, off because Aaron, we had some big games here. Uh, well, let's start. Obviously, ducks beat the Golden Bears 24 to 17. It was awesome. Kind of, especially at the end. Then on Saturday, the real events began in Arid. Holy hell. Um, yeah, I don't know nothing about nothing. So let's just break not. me in. So Arizona versus Colorado. This is last week we were saying like both of these teams are terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible, bad, bad. Who's worse? Who knows? They well, let me suck. guess. It was like 86 to 74. Well, uh, I mean, that's a guess. And then there was Hithliday, uh thought it was just going to be like, well, Colorado is going to get like one defensive touchdown. And it'll be seven zero. <laughs> Actually, um, Colorado showed up and they showed up big against a team that Oregon really had to <laughs> take down in the fourth quarter. Like it was a close one at Autzen. Um, Colorado defends their home turf 34 to goddamn zero. Now, hold on one second, Adam. Okay, let's the hear The first it. 20 points that mm-hmm. Colorado scored were not <laughs> offensive touchdowns. Which is nuts. Two, two field goals and then uh, two field goals, a punt block return for a touchdown and a defensive <laughs> touchdown. In other words, exactly what I said. That's well, <laughs> exactly 7-0, but pretty damn. I mean, it, it's what you said, but a more dramatic version of it. Way uh, juicier version. Just a just a beat down. Um, I guess Love it's it. good. Oh, I, mean, it is, I mean, not just as Jordan McLeod out, who was yeah. like, that was the, the key to why they played Oregon tough. Um, but yeah. the Gunner Cruz is now out too so they're down to yeah no he's out he he threw pick six in this game like two plays after he tore his thumb and didn't tell the coaches about it um yeah so yeah they're down to will Plummer is their only scholarship quarterback and they have two walk-ons oh yeah they had a third walk-on who's also out for the season um it's just absolutely like to the point where i don't like i think that a moratorium ought to be declared for for making fun of Arizona. Like what's happening to them is just so awful. Like Yeah, it's brutal. Um they suck, but and they So they still have won zero. zero games? Yes. In they haven't won a seasons. game going back to 2019. Yeah. Right. Ooh. Their last like win was against game. Colorado. Yeah, they're yeah. they're on an 18 game losing streak. You don't want to so you don't want to be on that team right now, that's for sure. I mean, like, honestly, the fact that they're playing as hard like I've watched them in the yeah. last couple of games, like that they're playing as hard as they are is remarkable. Like I I mean, their culture is way better than USC's culture. Like yeah. USC didn't play this week, but you see them the last time they played against Utah, that team's quit. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 harsh I think, words, bro. No, I, I don't quit, think I'm man. being harsh at all. I think that I think, USC has clear. I think if you ask USC fans, they'll tell you the same thing that that team's quit and Arizona hasn't quit. Like in USC yeah. has way more to play for than Arizona does. So like, you know, that's a way better Testament to the Jed Fish's culture. True. I mean, they ain't quit. That's, that's for sure. Uh, despite huh. again, zero points. My Texas um, Trojans. Uh, Texas Chargers will get it. Uh, not this week. No, not this week. They, um, they've played uh, three home games and gotten blown out all three times. <laughs> yeah. Bummer. Aaron, they ain't good. They they bat. And they've definitely. And I put all my chips on them. Well, That's my uh, second favorite team. Up next, Washington State versus Stanford. Um, This one 
was a barn burner. Yeah, this um, was actually pretty. Um, it was an interesting game to watch. I won't say it's a good game because I don't really think these teams yeah. are very good. But it yeah. went back and forth, and because we all knew that Nick Rolovich was getting fired, it was going from the like <laughs> like the hilarious Stanford beats you and you get fired, uh, like Clay Helton did, to the Nick Rolovich wins and then gets fired. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know uh, which one of those is funnier, but I, I will say, um. I like if he wasn't, you know, making the life decisions that he's choosing, whatever. But um, I would think like I would if I was a Coog fan, I would be pretty excited for what I'm seeing on the field. This dude season. went out on a three game winning streak. And like you can pin yeah. a lot of the problems that they had in the first part of the season to not playing Delora, which I don't really understand that situation. Actually, we're going to when we talk to Jeff Newser, I'm going to have to you know ask him about it. But like I think Delora was injured, but I also think sometimes he was wasn't injured and he was just in the doghouse i don't i don't really understand that but like yeah. dude goes out on a three-game winning streak yeah um maybe we'll work in the sale uh yeah but 34 to 31 uh washington state ends up winning this one after stanford rallied back yeah. uh thanks to some uh yeah stuff well stanford's but, discovered a couple other receiving options like i you know mm-hmm. i i was I was saying a little while ago that Stanford only does one thing well of the four quadrants of football, which is passing the ball. And half of that went away when Bryson Tremaine was injured in the Oregon game, but they have found a couple of other options in the last couple of games. So like I'm back on the, even though they lost this game, I'm back on the Stanford is not going to be a super embarrassing loss by the end of the year. I think they're going to, I, I, I think you made the argument that Tanner McKee is the best quarterback in the PAC 12. Um, He's got some good receivers. Um, If they could just play some defense and learn to run the ball at all, they could win some games. But uh, yeah, Cougs get them this time. And and yeah, it was really back and forth. Like Stanford, uh, I believe they took, did they take the lead and then... Yes. Oh no, they they tied it or I'm trying It was to Wazoo that. was up and then and then Stanford got the lead and then Wazoo had to find the score. Yeah. It was a good one. I did enjoy that game actually. Uh, what I wa- I kind of watched the perfect moments of it. Uh mm-hmm. came in and out of it. Um but I watched like the final quarter. So that was fun. Uh then this bad boy. I was really watching UCLA versus Washington. Uh like not a fun game per se to no. watch per se, but because you knew it was going to hurt a team that I don't know, that I wanted to watch lose, uh, especially Washington. <laughs> I really didn't want Washington to win because I didn't want them to elevate to a more, not a shitty looking team right now, you know? Um, and uh, it was close, but the, well, the margin of victory off. is a touchdown that they shouldn't have given UCLA. There is, yeah, they, they went for it on fourth down on the goal line. He was clearly stopped, and the refs weren't blowing the whistle. Was, oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, that was that was weird as hell. I mean, who who knows what, what would have happened in overtime? But like, yeah, no, I I thought it was a pretty ugly game. Um, yeah, and, and then there was that that deep pick. I believe that was really late. That really yeah. sealed the win for him. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dylan Morris is not a good quarterback like um like yeah and they can't run the ball and uh they can't run the ball and they can't seemingly stop the run all that well either and and, uh, and like dorian thompson robinson like flips a coin to determine whether or not he can pass before any given game he's like half the time he can't and half the time he can yeah no i you know i i think both these teams have a ton of problems um to be honest and and the fact that the score was identical to the oregon cal score is pretty funny too mm -hmm. like for for everybody who's like oh man oregon beat a bad cal team only by seven points and then you know ucla the triumphant heroes who beat a bad washington team by the exact same score like okay 
Yeah. Give him game day. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was nuts. I was glad to see Washington lose. Uh, there you go. In Seattle. And then the final game of the night, there was, you know, a lot of heat coming with those Sun Devils. Um, really a lot of talk about the Pac-12 South champ. They're going against the Utah Utes. A lot of hatred between these teams. Uh, ASU actually got off to a pretty prominent lead, like 21 to 7 or something like that. Uh, a dominant lead. Yes. And then... Um, all and then they, they figured that was enough points. <laughs> yeah, Utah. <laughs> they're like, we're good. How about they were just like, how about we run the damn ball? And they began to do that. And then they scored goddamn 28 unanswered points to close out the game. So they win 35 to 21 in a crucial game for them to try to win the Pac-12 South. And also takes ASU out of uh, any kind of playoff talk that there was. Not like people care about ASU, but um, yeah, if, if there was that talk, no longer there anymore. And uh, Utah is, I mean, I you gotta feel proud if you're a Utah fan that they are looking much better. They look more like a Utah team. Uh, Cam Rising isn't um, sucking. I don't know. He's, he's looking all right, and the run game's coming along, and yeah. That's got to feel good for Utah. Uh, it's just such a funny reversal at halftime. Like, yeah. Uh, and like, you know, I, I noted this last week when Arizona State played Stanford that like, oh yeah, the final score was, I believe, 20 to 10. Arizona State only scored three offensive touchdowns. Their last one was a pick six. And their 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 third offensive touchdown was with 10 minutes and change remaining in the second quarter. Like they just stopped scoring points uh, wow. after, you know, pretty early. And like the same thing happened with Utah. It's like they jump out, they get 21 points, and then they're like, that's it, we're done. We, we don't need to score anymore. <laughs> Um, and like Stanford obliged them by punting constantly in their territory and yeah. Utah did not do that, you know? Yeah. Like there's really uh, only one difference between the, the Arizona state's performance against uh, Stanford versus Utah. And it's that Utah had, had, you know, decided to to play offense in the second half, and Stanford decided to punt a bunch, like and, and throw a pick six. Although, frankly, all three of those interceptions that Tanner McKee threw were like crazy circus catches again. You know, in that in that game last week. So, like, man, I don't know. Like, yeah, no, I'm sort of like been flagging all along. Like, this Arizona State team is fundamentally flawed in a lot of ways, and, mm -hmm. and like Utah took advantage of all of them in the second half. Um, I don't know. I found that kind of gratifying, even though I'm, like I'm not an Arizona State hater or anything i i promise that i'm not but it's just like these fairness been obvious <laughs> for a long time um and 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 to finally see a coach who was good enough to take advantage of them was like oh yeah yeah that yeah yeah boy i will say i constantly think because i think their style of play is pretty similar i i think if Jaden daniels was on ucla they'd be better for it uh yeah uh maybe they should do a trade now here we go the i mean great... honestly dorian thompson robinson jane Daniels are not that different like they're I mean, a, no they're constantly know. scrambling like that's the thing that i you know is same with chase garbers like frankly you know any team that i watch in which i'm charting you know a higher than 20 percent sack scramble throwaway rate i'm like you're making this work despite you know your offensive yeah. line like you are gonna get in trouble when someone can contain you um like in fans all go nuts for fans love it when they see a scrambling quarterback and they don't realize what a trap that is um i get it i mean i loved i mean vernon adams jr is one of my favorite experiences of all time but then you like look at like it's like because the offense isn't keeping him there because i don't know because he didn't have well at least he was throwing the ball. like vernon that was kind of the exception because when he would scramble he'd throw the ball he'd and, throw the ball the, deep yeah yeah <laughs> he would still, i mean that's what i was saying we're, remember we're talking to rob wong um mm -hmm. about you know garbers where it's like the dude is very effective scrambling you 
you know, but the problem is he's only picking up like eight, nine yards when he scrambles. He's yeah. not doing what the offense needs him to, which is to throw 40 yard passes. First of all, Vernon Adams was doing that. So like, I guess he's the exception, but the rest of these guys too, whenever I'm charting an era, you know, a scramble rate that high, it's like, it's like you go to your favorite restaurant and one time they screw up your order and they bring you banana pancakes instead of the steak that you ordered. But it's mm. like, Ooh, actually banana pancakes are really fun. Oh, what a fun, happy accident. This was yum, 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 banana pancakes. <laughs> once like what a cute fun story it sounds like your favorite restaurant is ihop (laughs) but if that happens every time you order or even like frankly more than once you should stop going to that restaurant it means something is seriously wrong with the kitchen like or uh, sometimes it's like you know you go to a restaurant and you you keep changing your order like lucy does in that episode when uh fred and oh boy here we go ricky all go um now the great quack 12 pickoff uh, between aaron and i um, we got I need to call here. time out real quick. Oh, let's hear it. What, Day, you yes. were there. Uh-huh. Okay. I thought I picked Wazoo and Adam picked Stanford. Oh boy. I'm sorry. I don't remember. I, Aaron. I just listened to it to make this. And unless you want to prove it by doing some research before. The no, show. I don't. I don't care. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I knew I got you there. I always. All get I know is y'all was trying to tell me it was going to be one team and I explicitly picked the other. Yeah. So maybe this is right. Well, I mean, I remember I said I thought that Wazoo was a better team. Well, we should have gone with Hith, Hith then. Well, let's hear. So yeah. uh, I both of us chose Oregon. Both of us chose Colorado. I went with Wazoo. You went with Stanford. I went with UCLA. You went with Washington. I Dang. went with ASU. You went with Utah. Uh, so as you kind of a wash. swing in Adam's favor. Yeah, ASU out is. I got that one wrong. And uh, on the other hand, two wrong. Stanford and Washington, wrong picks. Aaron's for Aaron. still up by a point, isn't he? Still up. Well, and by overall, not only that, yeah. I've, I've lessened the lead, but still, Aaron has a two-point lead ahead of me. Um, so we'll see, Aaron. This could be another win. Another Luck win for someone. a lady tonight. Who barely watches college football, but is, still manages to pick better than me. Um, speaking of that. <laughs> The picks. I love that one. I know. It's spooky. It's Halloween themed. Um, <laughs> uh, the picks. Aaron and I, we're going to make picks. Hithleday is going to weigh in on these bad boys. We got another week of Pac-12 football. I do believe if I am. Oh, wait, no. So someone's on a buy. I don't know who, but we've got uh, some non-Pac-12 teams in here, Aaron. So get ready for that. Oh. Starting October 22nd, 730. So Friday, uh, 7.30 p.m. On ESPN2, Washington versus Arizona. Oh, wait. Is that Washington versus Arizona? Going with the Huskies Ooh, all No, day. no, no, no. That's Washington at Arizona. So that is in the desert. In the desert. Huskies all day, baby. You're going with the Huskies. I'm anti-Arizona, Adam. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I got to say, um, I, you know, I, I do agree with what Hillary's been saying is that you actually do got to give this Wildcat team some credit because when you're this bad, but still they're showing up. Uh, yeah, you know, they could just be like, we're done with football this season, y'all. Yeah. Or, you know, just like you can tell from body language and that's that's real, you know, of just like, yeah, that person doesn't care to block right now compared to attempting to block or attempting right. to tackle and just getting wiped out or whatever it is. Um, but uh, I there's just a few too many injuries. Washington still has a few unit or at least. You know, a couple units that should dominate this game, that should put it in their favor. I don't think it's 
gonna, I don't know. It could actually, unfortunately, be even a blowout, too. Also, another thing is they're looking at, like, we've got to get our wins where we can get them. So this has got to be, like... I don't know. Jimmy Lake is sweating this one still because he's got to get it. And it's in the desert. We all know crazy yeah, stuff. Happens. Friday night game in the desert with the Pacific Northwest team. Like all signs are pointing to Washington dropping. It would be their then, first win since. Yeah. Forever. But, but then Arizona can't. I mean, they just can't. They just can't. I'm it's, going with that. <laughs> yeah. It's so brutal. It's yeah. so, it's really tragic. I mean, if Arizona won this game, like Montana beating Washington almost killed me. Like the just the <laughs> sheer joy and Florida, like almost just stopped my heart. If Arizona wins this game, this might you, that it that might be it. This might be the last time you ever talk to me. Like Hislow they dead. <laughs> Hislow dead. Hislow dead. We're gonna bury him in Tucson. I guess that's what he wants. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, after that, ooh. Basically a Pac-12 team, BYU, well, basically a Big 12 team, uh, BYU uh, go into Pullman to take on Washington State at 12.30 p.m. Washington, Cougs versus Cougs. We got a classic Coug fight. BYU. You do got double Coug here. Well, then that makes my choice easy. I'm going with the Cougs. Oh, Aaron, no, Aaron. Um, so BYU has beaten three Pac-12 teams already, uh, which is actually, is that more than Washington State? I don't know. Um, but BYU has beaten Arizona State. They've beaten Arizona, and then they played somebody else, and I am not remembering... Hitler Day, who is that third team they've already beaten? Uh, the UCLA. BYU's played Utah. Yeah. And Utah. I forgot about oh, that. Right. Yeah, that the was Utah a big game. one. The Holy War. Yeah. So they've already beaten three Pac-12 teams. They were actually really starting to rank up. Then they got back-to-back losses. Ooh. So now, my man. Meanwhile, Washington State trending upwards. However... Their coach literally just got fired. Their coach and half the staff. <laughs> and half the staff. Uh, that's. They, I tough. don't believe they have a single person left on the team who has play calling experience. So you're kidding me. <laughs> yeah, they promoted the DC who actually like um, to be the head coach. Um, but like, yeah, Rolovich and the co OC slash quarterback coach were, you know, were let go and the offensive line coach, who I believe is the only other guy who had play calling experience. It's like, yeah, man, it could be bad. Well, I guess I got to go with BYU on this one then. Yeah, that really paints a picture, doesn't it? BYU. It, paints a, it makes it hard to think that they have a shot at all. I'd hate to go with it too, but I'm also going with it BYU, unfortunately. Uh, it'd be fun if Washington State won. It'd be so weird if they were the first Pac-12 team. BYU will take on the Trojans later, I do believe. Yeah, it's oh. their last game, actually. That's so weird. Um, and then we've got Colorado versus Cal. Oh, sorry, at Cal, Colorado at Cal, the exact same time, 12.30 p.m. They do not want anyone to watch these games. Um, this is These are two shit teams playing each other, it sounds like. <laughs> yes. I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. Yes. I are. think Cal's going to take this one, though. I mean, both of them have been like Colorado. When they get their asses kicked, they really get their asses kicked. But then they kick ass when they kick ass. Uh, California has been close in like every single damn game. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. We just saw Chase Garbers. It's looking pretty decent. Not looking yeah. like Chase Garbage. You know, it's funny that you say that. Um, you know, I've been doing film study on Chase Garbers for four years. And uh, the first article that I ever wrote about him, I included a clip um, that was like, 
because he was a kid, you know, at the time. And I was like, this is a play that a smarter dude with more field awareness would know he's supposed to, you know, go here and then throw it away to conserve time. Uh, and then he doesn't. And then I watched in this game, almost the exact same play happen. And he did the smart veteran quarterback thing. Hey. And I was like, Oh, our little chase is grown up. Yeah. <laughs> I do like Chase Carter. I mean, he. I, I feel for him at least. Like, Hit for day. Where do you put this game? Oh, I think Cal wins. Um, okay, good. Then I'm glad I picked Cal. I'm going with Cal. Fuck it. I'm going Colorado. This is where yeah, I'm baby. My buff man. I think that that ass kicking of Arizona is exactly what they needed. I think it's gonna be a close game actually. Because I Colorado think that I think it's Cal. gonna be too close for us to actually need to pick it. I don't think we should pick this one. No, you pick Cal. So uh, okay. I'm going with Colorado. Um, and then once again at 12:30 p.m., making it basically impossible to watch all of these Pac-12 games unless you really want to do the research. Um, number 10 Oregon on ABC versus UCLA. I believe this is game day, baby. This is ESPN game day? The game Rose Bowl. day uh, in the Rose Bowl? Doesn't get more Pac-12 than this. It's wonderful. Um, God, I hope we win this game. This game has been circled on the calendar, even though uh, UCLA, I feel like going into this season, some people were hot on them, but they probably didn't expect them to even be where they're at right now. Um, but people were still being like, out of all the Pac-12 losses, I think this could be one of them. Uh, no way. You don't think we're going to lose? I don't think that potato chip of a head coach has uh, the first clue on how to take us down, Adam. <laughs> it's Oregon by a mile. Chip Kelly has never uh, beaten the Oregon Ducks. Look, look, that man is a bag of ruffles walking around. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh my! Well, um, our former coach. No respect. I don't know. Why, I don't know why I'm so hot on him, but I just Wait, feel like it's funny. Beat red like a cherry tomato yourself. Um, yeah. <laughs> number ten, Oregon versus UCLA. We're still top ten team, apparently. I think this game. I'm trying to think of it. Is this could this possibly be one of those games where Cristobal is like, "Hey, it's L.A. recruiting opportunity. This is what they pay me for. Time to go and just blow the doors out of UCLA. Like this is, uh, you know, we're waiting for the big team and we go against them. Um, I think not. I think this will be exactly the game we've been seeing over and over and over. And I think the Ducks win. I do think they win um, by stopping the uh, final drive from UCLA and they're going to win this bad boy 31 to 28 with Whoa. um of Ron McKinley interception that'll be the thing that you may not be far game. off i think that's exactly what it's going to be i think it'll be 28 21 ducks ducks yeah. ducks that game would hurt me uh but we, if we win, what the fuck do I care? And I do think this one's decided by the turnovers. Like Oregon's due for a yeah. turnover. Like yeah. they, they, I don't think they've gotten any in the last two games. And like, not the last. Yeah. Two. Here's the random do. prediction I'm going to make because it's a Hollywood story. But our sweet little puppy, Mister Lewis, will kick a record distance field goal. Well, like college or program or program personal. He personal. he booted a long one against Cal. I didn't. He know. did. And I think he's going to get longer. I'm now for, and like, I don't want to be 
stupid and be like, oh, we should have kicked a field goal in that in the first half against Stanford, and we should have cooked a field goal against uh, you know, the against Cal earlier. But I would like to see Camden, you know, more of a every once in a while settling in for you know what, let's get some points on the board because Camden Lewis has been pretty freaking impressive, which is surprising because it's like I'm we stunned. Henry Kettle Cattleman all the way, we dude. The, the Cowboy Cattle. was my number one guy. Yeah, honestly. Forever. And then they just didn't put him on the field anymore. And we were done with Cam. And Mr. Lewis. Lewis is actually playing like a football player. He's playing like the person we hear he is in every practice. Right. Yeah. It's stunning. I'm actually I'm I'm glad that I, I was wrong about him. Can you imagine if we got to see him in the NFL? That would that would be me feeling like a proud papa, but it'd be like I was a bad dad because I talked a lot of shit about him. So much shit. We talked <laughs> so much shit. I feel terrible, and that's why I'm putting all of my faith into him now. Yeah. I, I have like to it. counteract that terrible amount of negativity I was spewing there, last year. There was a point where we were on the goddamn, like, what, five-yard line, and he just needed to hit the field goal for the win, and I was sweating bullets like he was about to yeah. attempt a 60-yard. I mean, we got so bad, I refused to call him by his real name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or you so, forgot. Yeah. Um, but now I'm, I'm full team. I'm full I, team. I think the Ducks are going to win, but this really is. Uh, I mean, who knows? I you could completely see it either way. Uh, it's really what which program you think is is better suited right now. Who will be better suited? And uh, I, you know, I do think Chris Paul's got a more stable thing going than uh, Chip Kelly. So here's what I think is interesting: the uh, the line opened up as Oregon minus two, mm-hmm. and it's been bet down to UCLA minus three, like five yeah. point swing, which is classic public overreaction. Like that's classic. Uh, you know, or- Oregon was touted as a playoff team, and they've looked a little shaky. Meanwhile, UCLA has looked dead for three years under Chip Kelly, and now they look okay. And so, therefore, people like extend those lines farther than the dots actually are, and they they have mm-hmm. them crossing. Uh, this is a classic fade the public situation. Uh, you know, fade the public bet on Oregon. Yeah. Or don't bet; it's morally wrong and foolish. But you know, Oregon's but gonna if, win. But if you can, if you do bet, go to my bookie. Type in Quack Twelve Podcast. I don't think that works anymore, but it may, and maybe it'll get us some money. Um, yeah. So USC versus uh, I keep saying versus USC at. Notre Dame. This is supposedly what college football is all about. Uh, This game every year, we're forced to watch this terrible game, and USC year after year for the recent past has lost it. Um, I I think they won a couple years back. I kind of forget. But uh, they've looked pretty terrible, most of them. Um, Technically, number 13, Notre Dame. But they've their offensive line is with Swiss cheese. Uh, they got a, a Jack Cohn, the quarterback for um, he was on Wisconsin when we played him in, uh, in the Rose Bowl. That quarterback, he's now over on uh, Notre Dame, and uh, they've just looked like a, a troubled team for a number 13, anyways. Um, USC, very talented, but has quit. Uh, just like us, they've mailing it in. You know, we meet every week, but we just go through the motions. Not really, our heart's not really into it. Uh, who are you going with, my man? Pac twelve or wait? But y'all said USC is is terrible. Yeah, they are. But Notre say. Dame is maybe not so great right now. They're they're probably a, a shade under 
great, maybe a little further down. I mean, they've had some trouble with some, they've had a shootout with like Florida State early on. Um, some of their big wins are getting a little less and less impressive. Like, you know, we're getting to the point in the competition where the choice becomes between sticking with my heart and gaining more points to stay ahead. Capitalism. If I choose my heart, then that means I got to go with my Texas Trojans. You go. If I want more points, I should probably pick Notre Dame. And you said that USC has lost multiple years in a row, but I still have good people down there. I'm going to pick USC to win this one. Fool. You're a fool. Um, I'm going to go like President Bartlett on on the West Wing. God. I'm going to support. <laughs> just, we'll try that old, the West but... Wing is one of the worst shows I've I, ever seen I, to <laughs> talk about political anything. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty like good versus if, evil. If you, could, <laughs> if you could say America has a form of propaganda. Oh yeah, it's quite possible it's the West Wing. Oh, I mean West West Wing is very, uh, especially like I, I don't want to get political. We let's about not even later. get into it. It's the worst <laughs> show in the world. How dare you bring it up? It gets pretty bad sometimes, especially when you're like when they're like actually solving problems. You're like, this isn't what Congress does. What the fuck is this? Like, yeah. or yeah, you know, president like not worshiping in some underground reptilian like chamber yeah. or something. It's like this isn't realistic. Um, I'm going with Notre Dame though. Absolutely. The fighting Irish, uh, the the four horsemen of the apocalypse, or whatever they used to call those players back in the day. I'm going with Notre Dame. Absolutely, fighting Irish. The only the, a mascot that may be deemed racist in the future, but mm-hmm. that'll be deep in the future, so we'll be fine now. Well, it's so, so entrenched in Boston, Irish. and Boston is so entrenched in its Irishness. Well, really, I mean, really what it comes down to is, like, if it's a white mascot, it, it's yeah, people not very racist. I- I find more issue with the term fighting Irish. It's fighting. Exactly. You're like, it's all that Irish part of fight. it that I'm like, yeah, this is maybe is not fight. great. I mean, if you put it any other, like, you know, person. After yeah. Just, thing, I cool. mean, think of it like this. Replace fighting Irish with the IRA. The Do you still want to call it that? Well, <laughs> I personally would think that'd be kind of cool. And maybe in an apocalyptic future, that can't be yeah. a, few, a football team. Sunday, bloody Sunday. That'll be uh, the team's new song. That being said, uh, Hithliday, uh, you going to back those Trojans? I don't know. Notre Dame's won seven of the last ten. Dang it. USC's quit. Yeah. See, I knew this was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. I knew I was going to pick wrong. They're out to lunch, but this game actually... Now, this final game on on the docket here, this is some scrappy players here. Now, this is the scrappy team from the South who just got a big old win, who may be maybe leading the South now um, versus a team that for a second was on top of the Pac-12 North, but suffered a uh, pretty uh, baffling loss to the Wazoo Cougs. Aaron, I'm talking about Utah, unranked Utah, going to Corvallis, Oregon, and taking on the Beavers, the unranked Beavers, at 4.30 p.m. at the exact same time. And Beavers just... Beavers just came out of a bye, right? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. So I think Utah's going to win it. I'm going with them Utes. Going with the Utes. This is a tough one. This really is a tough one. Um, I I think Oregon State's ready to bounce back, just like I'm ready to bounce back in this competition. So I'm going to choose against you, and I'm going to back them Beaver boys. Okay. Fair. Uh, I think it should be fair. a good game. Uh, I will probably... Because because if I have to choose, I'm going to try to, you know, watch all the long recaps of all these games. But 
since apparently I have to choose, or I'll double screen it in reality, but uh, I would probably go with the Utah-Oregon State game as full viewing big TV over the uh, USC-Notre Dame, because I think... Would you go to a bar to watch it? Yeah, I mean, right now, no, but... Uh, well, actually, no, I, I prefer sitting on my couch with TVs, with, oh. with free uh, beverages and food and and uh, yeah. oh yeah, a bar's not really your scene anymore, anyway, is it? Well, and, You're more and of even, a tea and crumpets guy these days. <laughs> even then, um, even when I was getting wasted on a regular basis, I I wouldn't necessarily want to watch a game in a bar. I would rather watch it with friends at home. Sure, know? totally. Um, like that being said, I, I've had some good memories in a bar. One time I walked into a bar, uh, it was like in Seattle, but it was a duck kind of bar, you know, or like a duck watching center. And it was during a game. I want to say this was 2000. Don't quite remember, but 2014, maybe, uh, when we were playing against Utah and I came in like halfway through the first quarter, they're just about to go up like 14 to zero on us. Like I'm watching this guy break away huge play about to go score a touchdown. And right before he crosses the end zone, Aaron, he drops that ball on the one yard line, like celebration, you know, when you're like, after what a dummy. The end zone. yeah, yeah. He drops it on the one yard line. The ref stands next to it. Just looking at it, not saying anything. Like he's not, he's not tipping it off. That it's a live ball, but he's just kind of standing there. And then a duck, you can kind of like see him like, wait, <laughs> like, look, like what's going on. The crowd is freaking out. Cause you know, they think they just scored a touchdown. Motherfucker grabs that ball, takes it 99 yards the other way. The Ducks tie it. And then really quickly after that, just a butt kicking to Utah. Wow. That was a great game to watch at a bar. So I've definitely yeah. had, or a World Cup. That's a fun thing to watch in a bar. Something like that. But typically I'm on my butt. Uh, yeah, I think, um, I forget who my pick was. Oregon State. Be <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a tangent there. Hiffleday, what say you? Oh, give me Utah. I got like I like the Beavs, but I sort of think they're a mirage. I mean, the, they're they're two yeah. real wins. You know, they beat Hawaii and Idaho. Who cares? Uh, they. I mean, you were US, super hot on them just a couple of weeks ago. I feel I, like I've always been higher on you on Oregon State than most people because I think that Jonathan Smith is one of the best coaches. You know, in the league, I think he's he calls a really good offense, and I think that he manages his roster better than most. Um, and so people who look at Oregon State's talent profile and say this team should win two games i'm like no way he's way better than that that doesn't mean that i think this is a phenomenal team i think that utah is simply a more complete team and and oregon state's wins are over a usc team that's quit and uh, you know washington who also sucks like you know and i think that utah doesn't exactly suck so you know i think the line on this one is utah minus three which you know for a home for you know, wow. it's a home game for Oregon State, which means that Vegas thinks that they're the six points better in a neutral field, which I think is about right. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon State won this game, but on balance, I think that Utah is just you know a little better. Huh. I get you. Okay. Well, there you have it. Um, we'll see. There's a potential for maybe Aaron to pull ahead. There's some shakeup happening this week. I feel like. Oh yeah, definitely. Like Geno Smith coming out there instead of Russell Wilson. Um, like this- that one episode from that really old TV show <laughs> where things we- got shaken up. I think we really killed that bit. Uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, this has been the Quack 12 Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Quack 12 Podcast. And then, uh, or you can find 
joined our friend here, Hithliday, uh, uh, who knows so much about the ducks. Clearly, he's been watching all this stuff. You can find his articles, Duck Tape, on Addicted to Quack. Please check those out. Really good read. Really good watch. Uh, and you can find him at Hithliday, the number one, H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y, the number one, on Twitter. And uh, Hithliday, thanks for joining us, as always. Uh, my pleasure. Have a blessed Molly. Oh, and I should say this. Um, we are hoping, listeners, to get an interview later this week with a UCLA uh, person, <laughs> with someone who <laughs> really knows the team. I'm so if you know a student, <laughs> yeah. we're hoping to find someone to talk about UCLA, and that'll probably happen, or maybe we'll just have a discussion about it. Who knows? Um, but uh, So keep your eye on the feed for that, and uh, go Ducks. I hope the next episode isn't a bummer one, but nah. you think we're going to win. We're going to win. 31-28. Quack, quack! Quack, quack. quack.